You're listening to the Impact Interviews from the Martin Agency. Join us as we explore fresh ways to break through the noise, impact culture, and shape the future of advertising. In today's episode, Martin's Chief Strategy Officer, Michael Chapman, sits down with Piera Luisa Gilardi, founder and executive creative director of the trailblazing next-gen company, Refinery29, which is changing the way media and advertising speak to and represent women. Piera Luisa Gilardi, an award-winning entrepreneur, creative director, public speaker. She's the co-founder and executive creative director at Refinery29. And I couldn't be happier for you to be here. How's it going so far? It's going great. Yeah, perfect. It's going great. That's me. Um, first off, I was extraordinarily um, excited and energized by your presentation. That was Thank amazing. You. And I thought people were, um, you could hear the energy in the room just listening to what you guys do and what you've done in your career. And it was amazing. Thank you. It was a real great energy. I felt hyped. It was just like, you guys made me feel fantastic. Well, it's a good thing. Um, I was looking at the um, your description. So obviously you won a lot of awards, uh, but my favorite awards were um, the one about being the most daring entrepreneur and 37 women who are disrupting the status quo. Thank you. Um, and listening to your talk, you talked a little bit about, you know, um, some of your punk upbringings and uh, maybe <laughs> a little bit of, you know, challenging status quo your whole right. life and really, you know, making sure that your voice was heard, even if other people didn't want to hear it. How important is it right now uh for people to have that voice, to go out there and be a disruptor and to be a challenger? Well, I don't know if I would describe my upbringing, upbringing as punk. Um, I grew up I grew up Catholic in a town of a thousand people. Uh, but there, there was always, I think, always uh, infused in my life and, and in how my parents raised me was definitely uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, like the idea that our creativity is our life force and definitely a value of of thinking about how you can create positive impact and how you can help your community. Um, but I think I gra- I did gravitate towards kind of that punk that punk spirit. Like I was saying in my talk, my uh, my mom's best friend gave me a subscription to Sassy magazine when I was a teenager and that definitely had this indie uh, this indie spirit to it. That was also the nineties for you, like, you know, Nirvana, Courtney Love. That was, you know, that that era. But yeah, Sassy magazine was kind of like my window into this group of young women creating this magazine that had a spirit of that, you know, that weird is cool. Uh, it was real, it was raw, it was relatable. It had kind of a DIY punk aspect to it. Um, so that definitely stood with me. And I think also being raised Catholic, but to feminist parents, uh, that paradox, shall you say, shall yeah, we yeah. say, um, you know, of going to a pro-choice rally one day and then hearing that you would burn in hell if you got an abortion the next, uh, I think kind of created uh, in my mind a uh, rule bending kind of framework that, you know, that you can sort of pick and choose uh, what you believe and, ha- and and challenge the rest and create your own path. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that there's so many things that are broken in our, you know, country, in our culture that require us to challenge the status quo, that require us to uh, disrupt things as they've been um, and to just kind of continue to see where where we can forge a new path 
I think that you know, you're talking about that tension between you know being a Roman Catholic and you know being at a pro-choice rally the next yeah. day. I mean, it seems like tension, you know, and tension not in a bad way, tension in a good way. Yeah. The only way you're going to break through these days is actually you have something you know that you're for or against, or that you've found something that the rest of the world says is okay, but you know it isn't. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that tension and how important it is to either what you've done or you know how Refinery Twenty Nine operates. Yeah, I think, you know, growing like growing up Catholic, but then also, you know, having Ms. Magazine at my house and and learning, you know, learning about, um, you know, t- taking women's studies and learning about feminism, you know, there definitely there just always was kind of uh, this this sense of, well, first of all, I mean, I, I definitely it caused me to challenge and question my parents and say why, you know these two parts of your value system aren't lining up. Um, but then, you know, they kind of encouraged me to, because it was important to them that we, you know, that we were, you know, that we were Catholic, that we, you know, honored that tradition. Um, so they kind of said to me, like, why don't you look and find what resonates with you and you don't have to pay attention to the rest. Um, and um, I ended up actually protesting and saying, I'm not, going to be confirmed because uh, like at at Sunday school uh, someone basically our teacher basically said that if a woman dresses a certain way she's asking for it and my friend Tiffany and I got up on the table we made a stink I came out I told my dad I was I was a Buddhist I didn't even know what that was really I mean I kind of did just for the record I did the same thing I was just I it was my uh, misguided statement in in protest but um but i said you know this doesn't align with my value system and i don't want to do this and um my mom actually did a bunch of research and found a church i don't know how this church existed it had an lgbtq plus celebration day um it was very active in the community giving back and it didn't have any uh burning in hell messages um, and so she's, that was our compromise. She said, I really, you know, my parents really wanted me to get confirmed. Um, but they, they, you know, they on their side did the work to find a place that better aligned with our values. It's really, you know, you can, you can find, you know, you can find the pieces of something that resonate with you. Like for me with Catholic Church, you know, the message around community and giving back and loving thy neighbor and having that space to think about your impact as a as a person and to reflect and to feel gratitude um, was really powerful and something that um, I did find meaningful and find important but uh, the doctrine of the church I didn't um, we believe and I think we're, we're at a point right now where consumer indifference is so high people have so much coming at them and that um, there's so much messaging out there that doesn't resonate we were talking earlier about brands that um, use purpose but then don't they just have it as a positioning they actually don't take a position on it you know and they don't do anything um, and that often uh, to get noticed out in the world whether you're you know writing something yeah. you know, messages out there doing an action you have to do it in a way that gets noticed um, and that tension is core to getting noticed right yeah. that there are people who aren't being listened to there you know that you've got a you've got a, a microphone that allows you to bring more people in mm-hmm. but you have to understand both sides of the of the story to know that it's someplace that you should be doing something right um, so I just wasn't sure if if that same tension that you found between Catholicism and you know sort of a 
status quo breaking um, has filtered into that as you, you know, keep thinking about what are the new ways that I'm going to find new tensions in the world and, you know, shed some light on them. Um, yeah, I think f- in terms of finding finding those tensions, it's been about really looking at where where are women not being fully represented, where are women being misrepresented, um, looking at the the insecurities that media and advertising have um, have kind of promoted yeah. and then preyed on um, and trying to find, you know, trying to shift those things. So we, we use listening as a way to discover what those tension points are. So really understanding um, our audience, we, we look at just culture and representation as a whole and see where there's, um, you know, shitty statistics that we can then use as a creative jumping off point for different initiatives and approaches to projects. Um, and, you know, I think that representation and is just always shifting as well and culture is always shifting so um, there's always new territory and new angles to approach things Um, and yeah I think brands are you know more and more brands see that in order to have relevancy in order to speak to young people especially today um, who are so values driven and um, you know that they need to take a stand on something Uh, but I think so often brands are really terrified to take a stand or they want to take a stand but they want it to them to have like totally bulletproof um, in taking that stand which just it's not how it works like when you when you go out on a limb and you you know you you challenge something it it opens up it opens up a conversation and a you know and a conversation isn't just like everyone it's not everyone saying yay good job it's like people saying well what about this and you didn't think about this and you know I don't like the way you did that and other people being like good on you you know and then and then there's people being like good on you I appreciate this or this or or this meant this to me and so all of that input is kind of where like where you have the most opportunity to learn and grow from that so um well, it's got a conversation has to have you know two sides to it and yeah. i think a lot of the brands that you see out there today want to involve themselves in that but then they get scared and then pull back and then all of a sudden you've got this mushy sort of only positive sentiment yeah. that doesn't really do much yeah it's like women are great girl power and you're like okay yeah everyone's saying that right now but and it's it's a like I think consumers are smart so they're like well what you know what have you done to support women in the past like what does your internal team look like you know how are these products made are you supporting women in the process so I think brands have to be more thoughtful and intentional about their whole their whole they're you know everything that they do like with the, the products that they make why do they make them how do they make them who makes them and then how do they take that and the values that drive that and turn that into you know an interesting thought-provoking conversation starter versus just kind of seeing what the popular conversation is and jumping on it without actually doing anything to to make change within how they operate. Yeah, I mean, you, you were talking earlier about listening and, and how important that is. Yeah. Um, but you're also out there leading, you know, man. So, I, and I was mm-hmm. trying to come to grips or understand better when you know you're doing such an amazing job with everything that you guys do. Thank you. And if you just listen, 
I mean, you know, you don't necessarily get um, the path forward. So how do you balance the, wait a second, we're sort of seeing some wrongs in the world. Uh, you, you know, maybe we're not listening to the majority. We're actually listening to the, the minority mm-hmm. and saying, where's the minority speaking? Where are the passion points? Yeah. Because sometimes if you look at the conversation, the conversa- the broad conversation is the one that we're trying to battle. So you've yeah. got to listen in interesting ways. Can you talk a little bit about how you, you listen? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point is, um, yeah, we're trying to. So we one of our company values is inclusivity, which for us translates to elevating underrepresented voices. So, yeah, we're often listening to to people and groups that haven't haven't been represented um, within media and advertising and seeing and and kind of hearing their needs their thoughts and and trying to find um, people that can that can speak you know so so that's that's a big part of it. I think also it's like what Henry Ford said, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you, we're taking an insight and then we're adding intuition on top of it. We're adding sort of what, you know, something that we think could be really interesting or that um, that we feel passionate about to transform, you know, the insight into something else like you know 29 rooms like we had two, we had a couple insights that we were working with to create 29 rooms which um is essentially a festival style culture and creativity that we've made that's a we take over a warehouse we build out 29 spaces with different artists activists um celebrities brands and made this really immersive interactive environment but, you know, the insights that we were looking at were uh, the fact that 78% of our audience say they they spend on experiences over material goods, that they felt excluded from Fashion Week and often from art, like from, you know, art museums, art mm-hmm. galleries, art events, um, and that... Um, yeah, those were the, and and basically also we saw that their behavior was being more driven by did it for the gram, so that they were mm-hmm. they were more willing to go to something that they might not have otherwise gone to. They were more willing to go see an art exhibit, uh, even if they wouldn't necessarily think of themselves as you know, an art goer, uh, if they felt like there was the social currency of being able to capture mm-hmm. content, if it was going to allow them to transport themselves visually into, you know, another realm. Well, it's also, I mean, you, you, it does, to be socially responsible to do something that's amazing, you also haven't said it doesn't have, always have to be serious. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, you know, you are putting people into these magical experiences where they get to see something they've never seen before. Yeah. And you're, and instead of saying, well, I don't, need this to be uh, an insta experience but it's actually something that you're saying wait a second no i want it to be i need to i need to use the tools that our audiences are using to get the message you know out there to amplify those experiences yeah. so actually marrying them together feels more powerful than just you know creating another standoffish speech or talk or you know totally. trying to finger wag at somebody to say hey this is the way it should be i think it's always been interesting how you've uh, made your audience a part of the experience itself. Yeah, that's so true. Like we've, I mean, again, like listening to our audience, like I, our audience has guided us. I used to do our Google analytics myself. I used to moderate the comments myself when we were first starting the company. Um, And I love that because I got to good and bad. I got to get, receive that feedback and use it as creative fuel. 
it's easy to sit here and talk to you and see your passion and energy, but you have 450, 500 uh, people who are all over the world sort of doing that the same way. Um, how do is almost like an organizational question. How do you keep that same sense of disruption and status quo um, alive and well? People who can listen to the 360 of an idea, not yeah. just this one little narrow thing. Um, you know, so as the business has grown, how have you ensured that you're still staying true to, you know, how it started, mm -hmm. obviously, as you grow as well. Yeah, I mean, some of it's just magic. Um, sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how we did this. Like our UK team is so badass. They're so they're such challengers. They're do, they're they're building the business. They're challenging the brands that they work with. They're changing the law in the UK. They're you know getting getting. Um, irresponsible ads that prey on women's security like yanked off the, you know yanked off the air like they're just doing amazing things speaking of that the, we, you know we talk a lot about making impact or impacting culture because that's the way you're actually going to make the biggest change mm -hmm. and you said today um, when you impact culture you can actually you know change legislation which actually changes the world yeah there are all sorts of metrics and you yeah. guys are doing things that um, that have buzz value they have economic yeah. value they have political value you know where how are you sort of measuring the impact that you're making and how do you know when you've done you can say job well done yeah um i mean there's nothing that we've worked on where i mean maybe i mean there's certain tangible things like that law sure. getting changed is like so satisfying because it's like okay great we changed that law but then there's other you know then there's other laws and other policies and legislation that you know, we can tackle. Um, for us, we're really focused on shifting the representation of women in media and in media and advertising using, you know, using storytelling and creativity to drive positive change. Um, but there's, you know, there's so much work to be done in terms of me in terms of measuring it. Yeah, sometimes it's tangible, like, you know, we changed this law or we sent 30,000 postcards to senators and representatives from one of our rooms, the 29 rooms, or, you know, this, this story got picked up by all these other outlets. And so, you know, we've really created visibility for an issue. Um, sometimes our team, like, like I remember we had a town hall at the company and someone got up and they were like, you know, everyone, you know, everyone in our competitive space is starting to do casting like, you know, casting yeah. models like we do. And everyone is starting to um, start their own uh, like women filmmaker series. So, you know, like how do you, you know, they were asking me, like, how, what should we do about all these copycats? And I said, well, you know, when you work from a place of intentionality, when you work from a place of you know, of values, then it's not a zero sum game. It's not, it's not, you know, if, if, if it's that's working, let people do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if other people are copying what we're doing, then that is actually really progressing, you know, progressing our message, pro progressing the, the mission. And so it's benefiting, you know, we're shifting. It means we're shifting culture. It means we're doing our job and it means we have to just keep doing that and keep looking for what that next area that we can affect is. Which to me is something that, you know, I wish uh, I think brands should, could learn a lesson from, which is maybe not every single thing needs 
needs to be measured in the same old metrics as before. Yeah. Obviously, you need to keep doing business well. Obviously, yeah. you know, if you're going to measure impressions or measure um, sort of, you know, broad based awareness or affinity, yeah. or relevance. But sometimes and what I got most inspired about looking at your work today was sometimes you're just telling telling stories that need to be told and yeah. no one else was telling them, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, that's me telling you yeah. that's that's the the Internet coming and saying, hey, good job. Keep it going. That's people who were disenfranchised or not mm-hmm. listened to before saying I've never had my voice shared before. and You just did it. Yeah. So I think that has to be a part of a modern uh, if you're going to be a disruptor, which you are, you ha- that has to be a part of the measurement. Yeah. I mean, we do measure in traditional ways as well. I don't want to, it's not like every. No, you have to have you both. Know, I mean, for us, it's also the, the two need to be paired. Like reach reach and relevancy are, they, f- they fuel each other. So, um, you know, sometimes our editors, like, they're like, they wish that they weren't, you know, they didn't have traffic goals, but it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you really, if you really care about a story, you really think it needs to be told. You don't just want to tell it, you know, like in an empty forest, you want to make sure that actually it, it gets the eyeballs that actually help to progress that mm-hmm. conversation. So, um, and so often it's really about the position, you know, being smart about the positioning or really thinking about how can I tell a story? You know, if I'm telling a story that is um, elevating an underrepresented, you know, voice or an underrepresented point of view, how do I do that in a way that is also interesting and relevant to, you know, to to more people so and sometimes that can be so simple like our unbothered platform which is for and by black women did this series called dear black love and one and the second video that they did in the series is a a a black uh, two black queer women um who have a beautiful love story they clearly have so much respect for each other and it's just so heartwarming and you know it's we don't often see queer black women represented. Um, so it's, you know, it's important to tell their stories, but it also is completely universal because it's a love story. Um, so, that's you know, cool. it doesn't always have to be, you know, I think that's the other thing for brands to think about. I know so many brands are scared to make a big statement, to put Colin Kaepernick as like the face of, you know, the face of their campaign and have their shoes burned. Like that's terrifying to most brands, but they can also think about it in different ways. You know, it's like Marriott, I think, did a good job of of, you know, just putting more LGBTQ representation in their ads, because why why does an ad for a hotel that has like a couple, you know, walking on the beach at sunset like why does that couple have to be like a white heterosexual couple it doesn't so that's there's small opportunities that brands can actually think about shifting their representation um, in a way that really is meaningful for people that haven't seen themselves you know in who would never expect to see their love reflected in a you know in a national travel ad so it, it, it happens big and small um, and it, it's always interesting you know for us sometimes things that we wouldn't expect just just take off like that love story gotcha um, just one final question so yeah. you've obviously made an enormous amount of impact you're doing great Thank things you. what is the next shitty statistic what's the next thing you're going to take on or what are you guys talking about right now yeah um, well the shitty statistic that we're working on right now is the one about women entrepreneurs um, and how female female businesses uh, are severely severely underfunded um, and that's that you know that's even worse for black women founders 
Um, so we are working on a project called LLC um, with Berlin Cameron, where we're working to um, increase visibility and uh, and commerce for women-run businesses to um, help to mentor and get funding for women-run businesses and and create um, create uh, pop-ups and retail opportunities for for women businesses around the country awesome well thank you yeah. so much for being here it's been thank awesome you. and uh keep up the good work thanks we'll so keep much watching. thank you all right thanks for listening to the impact interviews love what you heard or hate it send us an email and let us know at impact at martinagency.com and if you love our theme music i crush the mountainside by space bomb house band Check them out at spacebombrecords.com. Thank you.